Welcome back to 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stolzer, joined as always by John Paulson. JP, how are we doing this week? Uh, we're doing pretty good. I'm going to try to match your energy uh, today, but it's 7.30 my time. We're recording early due to more construction at my house. Um, but uh, I, I have my coffee. I'm ready to go. Let's let's talk some football. I was about to say, or if, you, if you're not a coffee guy, I would recommend it. But I, I thought, I thought <laughs> you, that you were, so maybe you'll get a couple of coffees in by, by the time we get the podcast done. Uh, tell us about the music, then we'll dive into the podcast. Yeah, since it's so early here, I, I picked a song called Morning Light by uh, uh, Hamish Anderson, and uh, it's a 2021 single. Uh, so it came out this year, really, really good tune. I'll put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find a link for in the show notes. Anytime I hear the name Hamish, I think of the... Um, What's the mocking Jay? The Hunger Games. That's the that's uh, a character. That's a character that Woody Harrelson plays. So, uh, okay. I'm, I don't know if you're a Hunger Games fan, but it, it's not bad. I like I like the trio there. All right, we've been telling you for a while now that you could get a free four for four subscription just for depositing ten dollars at Underdog or twenty to thirty five dollars at Prize Picks. And to top it off, if you're a new FFPC user, you also get a thirty five dollar coupon to play in one of their leagues. For more details, you can go to four for four dot com slash plans, and we'll tell you a little bit more about our promos that we have this week. But that's that's been one that we've had going now for a while. And you know, hey, what's better than a free four for four subscription? Uh, again, just for depositing ten dollars at Underdog or twenty to thirty five dollars at Prize Picks, it's a great deal. John, I want to start off the podcast talking about something that is very convoluted, uh, but it is something that I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about as the rumors started to circulate this week. Uh, especially from a, rep, a very reputable source in John McClain in, Hugh, in the Houston Chronicle, that the Dolphins and the Texans could be close to a deal involving Deshaun Watson. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, the reports, and then what are your thoughts on, on what could be a very interesting fantasy dynamic if Deshaun Watson is traded? Yeah, it's, it's been interesting with these stories. Like every couple of weeks something pops up, and, you know, as you mentioned, John McClain is longtime writer for the Houston Chronicle. There was another, I'm struggling to find the report, but there's another another uh, well-respected beat writer who had been talking about it as well, that they've been working on a deal. According to ESPN Dolphins reporter Marcel Louis Jax, Jax, they reported that the Dolphins and Deshaun Watson trade rumors are false. Um and then the, the you know Joseph Person from the Athletic had to chime in about the Panthers because apparently they were somehow involved or quote unquote not in the mix for Deshaun Watson. I think uh, Brian Flores said that they were happy with Tua uh, early this morning. So extremely convoluted. I think is I think convoluted is you know the great word for this whole situation. But I would point <laughs> people. Day. Yeah, I would point people to Drew Davenport. Uh, his he's a former lawyer or he is a lawyer, but he does fantasy as well. Uh, at Drew FBG Auction. So he works for one of our competitors, football guys, but I don't mind plugging him because he's a good guy and uh, that's a good site. But uh, he, every so often when this stuff pops up, he goes through a thread of the legal situation uh, talking about, you know, Watson's chances of playing 
And he's actually getting to a point now where he's worried about his availability, Watson's availability for 2022, because this is dragging out. Uh, nothing has been resolved with his civil complaints. Uh, there have been no charges filed. Um, you know, so you see imprecise language, as he calls it, saying that Watson has 22 charges against him. He has 22 complaints against him. It's two different things. Uh, the Houston uh, Police Department hasn't filed any charges yet. And then I think he's of the, if you look through the his, his thread, he's of the school that if there is a trade made and all of a sudden Watson might play, the, that forces the NFL's hand uh, to suspend him or he could be put under the personal conduct policy and not play for that reason. So he feels like it's a long shot at best for any redraft, uh, 2021 redraft uh, value for you know Watson potentially playing and starting games this year. And now he's getting to the point where he's uh, concerned about the fantasy value of 2022 because uh, this is not being cleared up in a very timely manner to, to get him uh, into uniform and playing again for some other team uh, next year. So uh, I would say that the in the leagues where he should be picked up and, you know, off the off chance that he's able to navigate and get into a team and play and the NFL doesn't, suspend him or do something with him until this is these legal matters are resolved uh he's probably already picked up in those leagues has been sitting on a you know big bench uh for weeks and weeks now but you know if you have quarterback troubles and you're you, you have a roster spot uh bench spot then certainly you could pick him up if you want to have that have <laughs> that headache on your on your <laughs> bench um but I, I don't think that this is any reason to run out and try to trade for him or, or try to get him uh, off the waiver wire, spent a lot of uh, you know budget or anything like that uh, trying to acquire him because it, it doesn't seem like uh, it's in the cards for him this year. Stranger things have happened, uh, but typically the NFL waits until their hand is forced before suspend suspension. Right now, nothing is forcing their hand. Yeah, I think the only the only reason that it's worth a discussion is because of John McClain's report, John. Quite frankly, I mean, otherwise, if this if this came up, yeah, you know, interesting radio sports radio talk fodder. But other than that, uh, you just kind of pass, you just kind of move along. But with John McClain being the first guy to report that the talks were were serious between the Texans and Dolphins, you know, that was the only thing that kind of grabbed my attention. But when you take a step back. With all with all the uncertainty surrounding his his playing status and of course his off field status, I just can't see any team, let alone you know a Dolphins Texans. Uh, I'll just stick with any team. Any team getting a deal done for for Deshaun Watson, but we'll certainly stay on top of it. Let's move to some of the injury news for Week Seven. You've got Saquon Barkley who remains out for the Giants. Who ben- who benefits here and and do you at least like the matchup with Carolina? They've been pretty yeah. good against the run. Uh, Devonta Booker. Uh, saw the vast majority of touches last week, and he, he'll he'll be like a volume-driven RB two in the rankings. But Carolina is number two against uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed to to running backs. So it's you know he's an okay start, but it's all volume-driven. Antonio Gibson returned to limited practice on Thursday. Any concern that he won't face your Packers in Green Bay on Sunday? Yeah, I thought he was going to be questionable, maybe not practice at all this week, and then kind of, you know, maybe be a game time decision heading into the game. But the fact that he uh, was able to practice uh, yesterday, uh, in, even in limited fashion, uh, I think puts him on track to play. So I moved him up from the, you know, 20 to 22 range up to 17. Uh, JD McKissick, I think, is a sneaky start this week due to the 
chances that uh, you know, maybe there's an in-game injury or maybe the Packers jump out to a lead and they decide to go pass heavy and just run McKissick out there and, and try to let Gibson heal you know, in the second half of the game. So um, that's sort of how I see the Washington backfield shaping up this week. So kind of a tough tough backfield to figure out. Let's talk about Baltimore now. Lamar Jackson, the offense runs through him. The running game runs through him. Latavius Murray missing practice with an ankle injury uh, this week. And you had a couple of the running backs that had decent days for, for the Ravens. You know, you, you saw uh, the Ravens pretty much do whatever they wanted to the Chargers last week. When you size up this backfield, you look at Devontae Freeman coming off nine, nine carries, 53 yards and a touchdown. Le'Veon Bell, eight carries, 18 yards and a touchdown. Who do you, who do you think is the play against Cincinnati if you are going to go with a Baltimore running back? I think uh, Freeman's slightly ahead of Bell and and Bell and you know Tyson Williams are probably neck and neck. Uh, Williams has been inactive uh, this last week uh, while the other three played, and they bait those three players: uh, Murray, Freeman, and Bell. They basically split the work right down. In, into thirds. I was going to say right down the middle, but they, they cut the work into thirds. Uh, Murray was, I think, slightly ahead. He had a, you know, a couple extra touches, three extra touches, I think, than Bell. They all scored a touchdown, so there's like no rhyme or reason in terms of who's a goal line back or anything like that. So you know, I think Murray probably is out this week. He got knocked out of the game. He's not practicing, so we'll see what he does today, Friday. But um, if he's out, then I think you'll see Freeman, Bell, and Williams in a timeshare. Maybe Williams gets a few carries this week. Uh, I think he's the most explosive back right now in this backfield. But, you know, Freeman has had some good runs and has looked decent as well. I think he would probably be my start if I had to pick one of the three in a spot start situation. So Damian Williams still isn't practicing, at least as as of Thursday, he wasn't practicing. He was on the COVID-19 list last week. He's unvaccinated, so there's a 10-day waiting period, according to ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter. He could be cleared Saturday at the earliest. If he does, if he does practice and he is cleared on Saturday, what's the impact to Khalil Herbert? I mean, either way, you got a tough matchup against a Tampa defense that does not allow any running yards. Yeah, and I think we just uh, did a HIPAA violation by talking about whether or not <laughs> Damian Williams is <laughs> right. That's the joke, right? Uh, yeah, we can t- we can we can talk about this. And I think before the season, I tweeted out does anybody is anybody keeping a list of players and whether or not they're vaccinated and somebody replied what's wrong with you like I'm doing something (laughs) I have some sort of problem or something this is important for fantasy and we see it right here that it's affecting Damian Williams availability this week Uh, there's different protocols for people that are vaccinated unvaccinated and you can be upset about it if you want, but that's those are the rules. And fantasy, we have to play under the rules and figure out who's going to be available, who's not going to be available. And it doesn't look like Williams is going to make it back. Uh, he's in a race to get cleared by Saturday. And then at that point, he's in a timeshare with Khalil Herbert, who played really well last week against the Packers. But even just to give you an understanding of where I have this running game against Tampa, uh, I have Damian Williams out of the rankings, and Herbert is the 27, number 27 running back in a, in a week where there's only 13 games. Um, there's six teams on by. So it's it's not a good situation. If, if Williams plays, then both these players will be probably ranked in the 30s or 40s. Uh, it's just really hard to run on Tampa. Uh, Miles Sanders did have a little bit of success in the second half of last week's game, but Nobody's really been able to run with any consistency on the Bucks. They're going to have to throw the ball more. That probably favors Damian Williams, but you know Herbert 
was playing in the in the you know as a receiver and playing had a role in the passing game last week. Uh, so it, it, you're probably looking at a timeshare, but I would probably favor Herbert at this point because he's the one that's been healthy and been practicing. And you know if, if Damian Williams is racing to get back to practice and doesn't have many reps ahead of ahead of the game, then he's probably not going to play as much as he was prior to the uh, being put on the the COVID nineteen list. All right, let's talk about the Titans wide receiver spot. Now, A.J. Brown posted on Twitter Thursday that he's still dealing with a digestive issue due to food poisoning that he suffered last week. He says, my body is rejecting any food I eat, Brown said on Twitter. He goes, this blank ain't a joke. And then he swore off fast food after nearly missing the Titans' week six game against Buffalo with food poisoning. He didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, and they've got Kansas City. So it's a great matchup from a fantasy perspective. What what's your advice for fantasy managers when it comes to AJ AJ Brown and then of course Julio Jones is uh, what a shock he's limited in practice as well. Yeah, this is a, you know, usually the, the food poisoning will last a day or two, and this I mean this popped up before last week's game, I believe. So uh, this is strange that it's still an, an issue as of yesterday. So hopefully he's you know back to limited practice today and, and is feeling better. I think if you know if he heads into the weekend with a practice or is at least able to keep food down then he's a pretty good start he's a really good player um the, the matchup's good against kansas city their 21st adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers and i think that maybe the the thing that might throw his value this week or startability this week into question is if julio jones is truly back uh if he's if he's playing he's going to soak up some targets uh maybe brown i have him at nine right now and a half ppr maybe he moves into the teens uh, with Julio jumping into the rankings as well, um, I think it's kind of this game is is going to be interesting from uh, t- Tennessee's standpoint. Are they able to continue to stick with Derrick Henry in this one uh, and ride him like they did against the Bills, or do they fall down two three scores and have to to throw a little bit more this week? They, they typically stick with the run as long as possible. Um, but you know, I, I like Tannehill with 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 Brown and and now maybe a healthy Jones as well, or a healthyish Jones. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, Antonio Brown. Let's talk about him. He did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. He's dealing with an ankle injury. I I would assume John that uh, he he is shaping up to be a real game time decision uh, for Sunday's game. But his his status doesn't look good. Yeah, we'll have to see what he does uh, today in practice. Uh, I believe he finished the game last week. Uh, he had a. I mean, it was against, I believe they played Thursday night, right? Eagles, against yeah. A, yeah, yeah. And he had extra three or four extra days to, to rest and um, still not practicing. So we'll see what he does today. If he's if he's limited or full today, then obviously he's on track, back on track to play uh, tomorrow or uh, this weekend. Uh, if he's out, you're looking at Godwin and Mike Evans, uh, you know, maybe a tight end, O.J. Howard, uh, seeing a few extra targets. Um I don't think there's anybody else you can really count on uh, in the in the offense. They probably those, those targets probably flow to the the playmakers because those guys aren't you know Godwin and Evans aren't getting enough targets anyway because Antonio Brown's presence. So uh, they probably go that direction, and uh, so we'll have to wait and see what uh, his status is ahead of Sunday. So Devontae Parker returned to practice on Wednesday. He missed the last two games. He's not guaranteed to play against the Falcons. It's a great matchup, but I think. With with Parker out, you saw Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki have some pretty big games. If he's active, what's what's the the effect on Waddle and Gusecki? Yeah, since he was uh, since he was 
limited on Wednesday, I put him back in the rankings and, you know, I've got him at 34 right now and half PPR. Uh, Waddle I have at 20 and uh, Gesicki I think is at seven uh, amongst tight ends. He's at six, six amongst tight ends. So um, certainly there's a little bit of pressure on Waddle's uh, targets, but, but I don't think it's too much. I mean, I think he was a pretty big part of the offense uh, since the start of the season. And I think, you know, uh, Parker being back would, would help him in certain aspects and hurt him. And, you know, from a volume standpoint, probably hurt him, but from an efficiency standpoint and taking some defensive, uh, defensive pressure off of him would probably help him. So I, I have Waddle ranked as a, a wide receiver two. Parker is like a low end wide receiver three. And this is obviously good news for, for Tua ahead of a, a favorable matchup against the Falcons. Darius Slayton has a hamstring injury. He was limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Sterling Shepard dealing with a hamstring injury, limited Thursday, and that was a downgrade for him. Kadarius Toney, ankle injury. Kenny Galladay, knee injury. Both did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. And then Evan Ingram, to top it all off for the Giants, he's dealing with a calf injury, did not practice, downgraded on Thursday. This is a mess for the Giants when it comes to their their pass-catching guys. Yeah, uh, I would say that Slayton looks like he might be back given the, the limited uh, Wednesday-Thursday practices. We'll see what he does today and what sort of is injury designation they give him. Shepard's hamstring injury, I believe, was a midweek downgrade, which is typically a bad sign, but we, we wait to see what happens on Friday. Uh, if he's out today, then I'd be very worried about his availability on Sunday, but if he's you know, limited or full, he has a good chance to play. Maybe it was just they felt a little tightness and they they shut him down, you know, yesterday. Uh, it looks like Tony and Galladay, as of right now, are both going to be out because they've been uh, missing practice. Uh, and Engram, uh, who had, has a little bit of upside in terms of volume, you know, potential with all these receiver injuries, uh, you know, having that calf flare up. Uh, and and having a midweek downgrade on Thursday is a, is a bad sign for him. So you just kind of got to see where these guys are on Friday before trying to project if there's any way for fantasy owners to take advantage uh, uh, of this situation heading into uh, Sunday's game. Jerry Judy's got an ankle injury, as we know. I mean, that, that, it looked devastating. It looked like he was going to miss the rest of the season, if you remember that injury back in week two or week three. But he's he's expected to return in week eight. Do, do you feel comfortable next week with Jerry Judy being back in, in your lineup? I probably wouldn't uh, want to start him in his first game back after such a long layoff. He, he's probably going to be uh, a little bit out of shape or need to get back into football shape, and they'll probably ramp his, his snaps up, especially – considering that they have some other talent at receiver. Uh, so I, I think his return will impact Cortland Sutton and certainly impact Tim Patrick, who has done well in with him, with Judy out, uh, not last night, but generally speaking, uh, I think he had 89 yards or a touchdown in five of his last six games heading into last night. So he's been producing. Uh, but I think once you get Judy back, he soaks up at least six or seven targets. I don't know if it's going to be week, you know, the first week back, um, but certainly down the end of the course of the end of the season, you're going to be, you know, seeing more of a uh, these these targets are going to be spread out amongst Sutton, Patrick, uh, Judy, and of course uh, Noah Fant. And then going to tight ends now, Dallas Goddard dealing with an, dealing with an illness, worked on the side Thursday, officially a DNP. Yeah, I don't know what illness this is. He was on the COVID-19 list and is has been activated off of that. So presumably he has uh, tested negative and is quote-unquote good to go on the COVID front. But uh, he's got some other illness now, and which is kind of weird. Like I thought maybe he'd be 
on the side with a, another injury, but we'll see what he's able to do today. The fact that he was even out at practice and working on the side is a good sign for his availability. Uh, he's a tight end one now with Zach Ertz gone, uh, and especially in a matchup like uh, Vegas, they're 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, this is a favorable matchup for him if he can get healthy enough to play. And then one more tight end, we'll, we'll get dive into Thursday night, and then obviously some sneaky starts as well. TJ Hawkinson is dealing with a knee injury, and actually I'll run through a couple of tight ends right now. OJ Howard, ankle injury. Ricky Seals-Jones dealing with a quad injury. They all return to limited practice on Thursday. Rob Gronkowski, however, he remains out. What are your thoughts on this group? Yeah, and this is uh, Howard had a good game last week with Gronkowski out. Looks like Gronkowski will miss again, so I think OJ Howard is a – uh, is a sneaky start. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, who I think has the greatest name in, in all of football, uh, has been producing with Logan Thomas sidelined and should continue to produce. He's you know, pretty good matchup against the Packers this week. So uh, just highlighting that these three uh, these three tight ends are all returned to limited practice means that they're on track probably to play on in week uh, week seven. This podcast is brought to you by Superdraft Fantasy, the official fantasy partner of Caesars Rewards. TMAP listeners can get a chance to win one of 10 NFL jerseys by creating a new account by at SuperDraft and using the promo code 444, that's the number 4, F-O-R, number 4, and depositing at least $10 when you do so. You'll get a $100 deposit, uh, 100%, excuse me, 100% deposit match if you deposit $20 or a 140% deposit match if you deposit $50. You'll receive instructions if you win on or before October 31st, just go to 444.com slash superdraft for more details. Be sure to check out their new Super 15 Daily Fantasy game. All you have to do is pick the five players you think will score the most points and you wind up winning some money. Don't forget, too, want to tell you about an easy and fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their brand new Pick'em game, Just Pick Over or Under, on your favorite or least favorite player's stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players, and you can take home some cold, hard cash in the process. Head to 444.com slash underdog to claim your free 444 Pro subscription and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. The Thursday night game, John, from a fantasy perspective or a real-life enjoyment standpoint, it wasn't enjoying. Uh, it, it, was, it wasn't enjoyable. It, it was uh, a slugfest from a defensive standpoint, I guess, if you could say that. But neither offense moved the ball very well, yet all the injuries on both sides. I don't know how much can be gleaned from a fantasy perspective, but I will run through some of the stats from a Broncos standpoint. Teddy Bridgewater did not play well at all. He'd been dealing with a foot injury. Maybe he should have, you know, had Drew Locke start, but either way, 187 yards. He did throw two touchdowns, but he had the interception as well on 23 of 33 passing. Cortland Sutton caught all five of his targets for 68 yards. Noah Fant, the tight end, caught five of his seven targets for 39 yards. And Melvin Gordon rushed eight times for 18 yards. That's from the Broncos' standpoint. Uh, Javante Williams also rushed four times for 20 yards, while Tim, Tim Patrick caught two of five targets for just 16 yards. From a Broncos' standpoint, anything we, we gleaned here, anything we learned? Well, you're looking at uh, this backfield, and you know, Javante had 10 touches, and Melvin Gordon had 10 touches <laughs> and got the first touchdown. They both scored a receiving touchdown, which I thought was interesting. Uh but they're still splitting this backfield. And, you know, in our Hall of Fantasy League, uh, Jennifer uh, Akins and I uh, are starting Javante, and we're just kind of waiting for that big game because he does have a lot of talent. He looks pretty electric when he has the ball. 
Um, you know, ending up with that touchdown late helped us, but 52 yards total for him and a touchdown, and then 32 yards um, and a touchdown uh, for for Gordon. So they're just continuing to split that. I think it, it was. I did downgrade this whole game in terms of projections. Uh, you know, about an hour, two hours before the game. Uh, due to the drop in total, it went down to 40, and there were high winds uh, expected, 25 mile per hour uh, prior to the game, and then you know decreasing as the game went on. It didn't seem like it affected uh, too many balls, but they both ended up with pretty poor yards per attempt, uh, 5.7 for for Bridgewater and 6.0 for uh, Case Keenum. But uh, I think the total dropping, you know, was an indicator to me to. To, to kind of downgrade some of these players and uh, some of them move down the rankings a bit. So you got to pay attention. I think this is a lesson learned, uh, you know, ahead of games. You know, if these high winds are there or totals are dropping, then you uh, probably should pay attention to what to what's happening there. All right. Now, from the Browns' perspective, this is this is a lot more interesting because of Darius Johnson. He rushed 22 times for 146 yards and a touchdown. When they needed a first down late, he he was able to get multiple. I mean, the, the, he looked he looked fantastic with both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt out. So, want to get your thoughts on whether or not Johnson would be an RB. I don't know RB one, RB two with those guys out. I think Nick Chubb has an opportunity or a chance to come back next week. Although the Browns may say with the way that Dearness Johnson ran, maybe maybe Chubb will be out for a little longer. Uh, Keith Keenum, if he's got to play again, you know with. With Baker Mayfield's injury, he was 21 of 33 for 199 yards and a touchdown. Jarvis Landry avoided injury after he limped off the field with a left leg issue in in uh, that win over the Broncos last night. He had just returned from a six-week stint on the injured list, so that not great news for Jarvis Landry, although it does look like he avoided serious injury. Odell Beckham, he was banged up before the game. He, only, he saw six targets, only caught two passes for 23 yards, and that was kind of the highlights there from Cleveland. Yeah, and I would, you know, as a as a ranker, projector of things, forecaster, uh, it's always challenging when you have a player that's fairly unknown coming into what we think is a big workload. Uh, you know, we were told by the beat writers that he would start, and that came to fruition, and he handled 22 carries, another two uh, re- uh, receptions, but you know, you think back to how often this happens where you have, a, you know, the RB3 coming in. Quite often the RB3 is now splitting with the RB4 and it's not as clear of a of a break between the RB3 and the RB4 as it was between RB2 and RB3 or RB1 and RB2. Um, so you don't want to be too aggressive with the rankings because, you know, you're passing up some people that are getting, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, substantial consistent workloads if you're if you're ranking somebody at 12 as opposed to 20 or 21 where I had Johnson I had him between 18 and 24 throughout the week as I thought about his uh, potential but then I was also a little worried about you know how the game would flow uh, the low total whether you would even have an opportunity to touchdown how many catches would he have with uh, with Felton uh, working in as a receiver and maybe John Kelly being um promoted you know as a significant backup option um so this is a case where that you know starting the the rb3 really worked out uh there's other cases where it just doesn't so i always want to proceed with caution i think this is these are the types of situations that people remember when they're you know they're plugging in that rb3 rb4 you know hoping for 100 you know plus 
yard day and a touchdown and doesn't always come to fruition. I think the, the signal that was pointing in favor of something like this was that Johnson uh, in his career was a, like a 5.0 yard per carry guy. Uh, they got uh, one of their linemen back. Uh, you know, they have a really good offensive line, but it, they didn't do very well for Kareem Hunt last week. Uh, and uh, But they, they, do, they, they ran well and worked well as a unit for Johnson. And uh, he also got some uh, some catches as well, and that was sort of unexpected uh, given Felton's presence as a receiver. Um, so uh, whoever started Johnson, congratulations. I had to start him in Scott Fishbowl uh, this week as sort of a desperation start, and that's uh, it worked out. Sometimes it just works out like that. Yeah, certainly did. Yeah, with Wills, with Wills back last night, that certainly helped Cleveland's offensive line, but no Jack Conklin for them. Uh, both guys were out last week against... Arizona, and they, like you said, they just got worked over, and Baker Mayfield got crushed as well. Let's talk about some I, sneaky start. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to mention the, the receiver situation too, because I ranked uh, Jarvis Landry and, and Beckham lower than than average uh, last night as well, and that had something to do with the wind, and also had something to do with the total dropping. And then Beckham, like being kind of a surprise active, I ended up having him at forty seven, you know, below Khalif Raymond and Quez Watkins. Uh, not exactly household names compared to Beckham, but I just didn't feel good about his his upside and ability to finish the game. He did have six targets, uh, but you saw him dive for a ball and uh, seemingly re-injure the shoulder. He did come back to play, which is, I mean, good for him, um, but he ended up with two for 23. And then Jarvis Landry, uh, I was more bullish on him when I thought Beckham was going to miss. Um, but, you know, with Beckham back and you got a new quarterback in there and it's Landry's first game back in, in quite a while, I ended up uh, ranking him at 43. I had him about 35, 36 with Beckham likely out. Uh, he did end up with eight targets, so he did finish with 8.7 PPR fantasy points, which is okay. Um, but there's just reasons not to be too bullish on the passing game either heading into last night's game. I thought they would try to win it with their running game and defense, and that's kind of what happened. All right, let's do some sneaky starts for Week 7. We'll start off with a couple of quarterbacks, a couple of quarterbacks with really good matchups, they being Ryan Tannehill of the Titans, who they have they face the uh, Kansas City Chiefs at home, and then Tua Tungavaloa, who's coming off a really nice game in London for the Dolphins, and uh, they, they get a bad Falcons defense. Yeah, I think, you know, 4 for 4 subscribers are probably sick of, you know, me recommending Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to stick with it. I'm starting him in a, uh, in my FFPC league. I've got him ranked in the top 10. It's a short week, so there's just not that many streaming options or uh, quarterback options out there, uh, given the number of teams on bye. Um, but Tannehill has, you know, typically at home he accounts for three touchdowns uh maybe two and a half passing a half a touchdown rushing uh since he's taken over as a starter for tennessee uh last week against the bills it was pretty much all derrick henry uh Tannehill did run for a touchdown last week uh but this is going to be a high scoring game i think this titans offense can score points and he's going to start getting uh some touchdowns and getting uh julio jones potentially back uh, hopefully you have A.J. Brown. If you don't have either, then he'll be downgraded out of the you know QB1 ranks. But with those guys in uh, in tow, you're looking at a QB1 type week against the Chiefs. And I don't know how long they can just keep establishing the run if the Chiefs jump out uh, to a lead, which they might because the Tennessee defense is not great. Um, so I'm 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 in, I'm excited about Tannehill's opportunities this week. And then as far as Tua goes, another you know, late round target of mine in my best ball leagues. Um, 
happy to have him back last week, and he had 329 yards and two touchdowns with 22 yards rushing against the Jaguars in London uh, in his first game back. That's really encouraging, and he didn't have uh, Devontae Parker uh, or Will Fuller in the lineup. Uh, the matchup is good against your Falcons. They're 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They've given up an average of 258 yards and 2.2 uh, touchdowns, uh, including at least three or at least three touchdowns to Tom Brady, Jalen Hurts, and Taylor Heineke. So a uh, good matchup for two. I think he has a good week as well. All right, how about some running backs? You got James Conner listed for the Cardinals against the Houston Texans, and then another guy. And again, we we always recommend this, but go to four four dot com if you want to check out the entire list for John sneaky starts. But another guy that you'd mentioned earlier as a sneaky start is J D McKissick of Washington against the Packers. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to talk about McKissick earlier but I did I think he has a chance in negative game script to have another you know 12 to 16 touch uh, game and we'll see what they do with Gibson and if he's able to play a full game Jarrett Patterson uh, didn't do much last week with Gibson kind of hobbled so I I think this is McKissick's backfield if Gibson is out right now Uh, James Conner has been dominating the touches Chase Edmonds has this shoulder injury that he's playing through and continues to play through Uh, he didn't uh, have many touches last week Uh, Conner was kind of the lead back slash bell cow. And I think, you know, in a, in a home game against Houston, uh, very likely to score a touchdown. He's been the goal line back and this offense has been extremely productive. So he's a, you know, a likely to score a touchdown, maybe even two. Uh, the Texans are allowing an average 152 total yards, 5.18 yards per carry and 1.2 touchdowns to opposing backfields this season. Uh, last week, uh, Connor outtouched Edmund 17 to seven, but I'll just mention one more since I already mentioned McKissick. Um, Miles Sanders, it seems like he is moving ahead of Kenneth Gainwell and, and really kind of taking a hold of his backfield or the, the Eagles are at least deciding that they need to feed him more. Uh, I didn't have him ranked very high in my draft projection, so I don't know how many uh, 4 for 4 subscribers have him on their roster, but if you do, um, things are starting to look up for him. Uh, this matchup is good. The, the, the Vegas is 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Last week he handled 11 of 12 uh, backfield touches for the Eagles. He ran well, 6.22 yards per carry against a really good Bucks defense. Um, and, and I think that maybe they go and try to establish that run against, against Vegas. Uh, the Raiders have given up 137 total yards, 1.2 touchdowns to opposing backfields this season. One of the things that's making me kind of move him up my rankings is that the offensive coordinator there said that miles is a heck of a back quote. Uh, we've got to get him going. So it sounds like they do want to uh, maybe squeaky wheel uh, affect this game and give him some extra touches this week. Moving on to some wide receivers, Darnell Mooney, McCole Hardman and Marquez Calloway are the players that you, some of the players that you list for wide receivers in terms of sneaky starts. Yeah, I think both Bears receivers are sort of interesting this week against the Bucks. I just don't think that the Bears are going to be able to run on the Bucks, and they're going to have to throw, so they're not going to be able to, you know, have 25 or 20 pass attempts. Uh, Fields is probably going to have to attempt 30, 35 passes to, to sort of stay in this game or try to stay in this game, and that should benefit uh, Mooney and Robinson. Uh, Mooney has been better in terms of production than than Robinson this you know this uh, year, and it's kind of sad because I'm an A-Rob fan, but, um, you know, Mooney is the deep, the deep guy and he's been, uh, getting some, he had the five for 125 against Detroit, uh, five for 45 and a touchdown against the Packers and 20 targets in his last three games. So I would favor him slightly over Robinson. Um, he's, he has four catches, uh, Robinson does in back-to-back games, but he hasn't, you know, 
gotten more than 65, 65 yards receiving this season. The Bucks have been giving up uh, pretty big games to uh, receivers all year. I think Nicole Hardman also, Tennessee, is 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. Uh, Terry Kill uh, is dealing with a quad injury but should play, but uh, Hardman's been good the last couple weeks, 9 for 76 on 12 targets and 4 for 62 on 5 targets. Uh, and, uh, you know, given the matchup against Tennessee, he's got a chance to have sort of a breakout game. And then uh, Marquez Calloway was the third one that you mentioned. Uh, he had 4 for four for 85 and 2 touchdowns and 8 targets against Washington prior to the bye. Uh, Michael Thomas remains out. Uh, I guess it's going to be a few more weeks for for Thomas. Uh, so Callaway is, is worth a pickup and perhaps a start this week. Uh, Seattle defense has struggled, but they're 14th in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to receivers. Um, uh, Callaway did have the big game prior to the bye, and with it looks like Taysom Hill is going to be out, so that means maybe a few extra snaps for uh, Jameis Winston as well. A couple of tight ends, Robert Tunyon of the Packers and then O.J. Howard, who we talked about in the injury section briefly, are a couple of tight ends that you recommend for sneaky starts in Week 7. Yeah, Jen and I had to stream uh, tight end. We have George Kittle on the roster in our uh, Hall of Fantasy League. Uh, we're we're co-GMs of the uh, Boston Barflies. And uh, we, we have uh, Kittle uh, on IR and uh, we Jared Cook uh, spot starting for us last week. Uh, last two weeks, actually, I think, and uh, having to pick up a tight end, a third tight end uh, for the bye, <laughs> Cook's bye, uh, Robert Robert Tunyon popped up. Uh, we have Aaron Rodgers, so the stack is nice, but they've, they've been trying to get him going. He's 12th at the, his position in uh, air yards in the last three weeks. He was highly efficient last year and has just not been as efficient this year. It doesn't mean he's playing badly, but he just hasn't connected with Aaron Rodgers on a deep ball yet, and I think they maybe could do it this week against Washington. They have an implied total of 29.3 points. Um, he has averaged 0.8 touchdowns and 44 yards receiving in 10 home games over the last two seasons. And he's popping in our uh, week seven breakout receiver model. So I'm, I'm trying to speak this into existence. If you can't tell <laughs> Anthony, I'm trying to make this happen for, mm-hmm. for baby Kittle. Uh, the other, you know, OJ Howard with, uh, with Rob Gronkowski sidelined, he had uh, six for 49 and a touchdown last week. You also have, uh, Antonio Brown, the gimpy with the ankle. So Howard did play 60% of the snaps three three straight weeks. Uh, had the good game last week. So it's not a great matchup against Chicago. They're fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to tight ends. But I don't like you can kind of throw that out the window when it's talked about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the, in the red zone. All right, a couple of uh, breakout receivers now from your model for Week 7. We've been doing this to wrap up the podcast, and I kind of like it. What, what, is, what about some breakout receivers based on your model? Yeah, we had a couple of hits. I think I mentioned Stefan Diggs and Brandon Cooks with a bounce-back game. Both came to fruition. I also mentioned Terry McLaurin. That game did not, or the breakout game did not happen. Um, I have him, or we, the breakout receiver model has him at as the number one uh, receiver this week in terms of the model. Uh, so he's got a good chance. Uh, you're still worried maybe about his hamstring, but uh, you know the, the matchup against the Packers isn't bad at all. Uh, so I would you know, kind of go back to the well with him. Uh, Robbie Anderson has huge usage and just hasn't capitalized yet. He's This is actual and expected uh, points per game is just a very wide margin, and typically uh, you see that regress uh, in this way in this way positively uh, with a breakout game. Um, and I think Darren Waller has been quiet. Uh, this is a week where you 
I mean, I think anybody who has Waller is starting him every week, but uh, I think you're actually going to get uh, some good production out of him um, uh, this this week with the uh, Eagles in town. All right, good stuff as always, John. You can follow John on Twitter at four for four underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Don't forget about that free four for four subscription just for depositing ten dollars at Underdog or twenty to thirty five dollars at Prize Picks. As well as if you're a new FFPC user, you also get the thirty five dollar coupon to play in one of their leagues. Check out Underdog Fantasy. Check out Super Draft Fantasy as well. A lot of ways for you to win and have some fun for Week Seven of the NFL season. That'll do it for us. We'll be back next week. And we, uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck when it comes to your year-long, your DFS, anything else you're doing this weekend in fantasy football. See you.